0: The conversation continues on Michael Dismuke with Wow, let me start again. <laughs>
1: We'll edit this. Uh, uh, you don't have to. You can keep it. It's okay. Everybody has a moment, right? It's, it's no big deal. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know what? It's okay. This <laughs> is true. You know, just so everyone knows, I do this for fun. I really do. I, I I, was just talking to my wife today, and she was asking me, you know, how's the Star Trek Adventures thing going? I said, Kai, I said, I played RPG for 30 years, and only could share it with like five people, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the only people who were interested in it. And now all of a sudden I'm playing RPG and I'm part of a community and I get to freelance, right? Which is super cool. So sometimes I get paid for it. I said, why would I ever complain? Cause whether or not I'm still going to do it. So, mm-hmm. so I'm in a real good space. So you're right. So, so everyone, if this didn't come out as as polished, and, and all that stuff. I, I really don't care because you're know, <laughs> <never> for <find> <laughs> So Jim, thank you for your forgiveness.
1: Hey man, we're doing it for the love, right? I mean, uh, more, than, more than anything else. So we're, we're here for the fans and we're here for each other. So it's all good. We don't have to be perfect and polished every week. So uh, we give are. yourself a break.
0: All right. So anyways, I'm Michael Dismuke. I am a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one fan site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. I'm also privileged to be a freelance writer. Um, I'm on my ninth publication as a recording of this um, with, with, with uh, Star Trek Adventures, which is totally exciting to be able to see books on the shelf that have my name in it. I show it to everyone. I gush. I love it. Jim, introduce yourself.
1: Uh, hey everybody! I am Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Modifius Entertainment. And uh, we are here to uh, do part two of our Q and A. Uh, we uh, we opened up the floodgates and said, "Hey, fans, come ask us some some questions." We're going to do a we're going to do a couple chats and uh, answer your questions uh, on the on the on the show. And we got some nice feedback, and so we're grateful for the fans for sending these questions in. Uh, of course, we are super. I mean, not we, not the royal we, anyway. But I am super gratified and grateful to have this great fan base that supports the game, supports the company, uh, supports the franchise. Because uh, Star Trek is love, and uh, and clearly, all of our fans love the franchise, even if they may not always love the game. <laughs> uh, but that's why we're here. We're here to talk about Star Trek Adventures in particular and Star Trek. So, uh, Michael, anything else you want to say before we kick into these uh, these cues?
0: Yes, if they don't love the game and they just haven't played with the right group, please go ahead and reach out to me and I'll try to schedule time with you if possible. It's really busy, but I do dream of a time where I could run and just game master games with people and then hand over the baton to someone to take it over because I am so invested in making sure this game doesn't die. Um, uh, People know my story if you've listened to it before. The worst thing is having a passion for a game and they're not making any more publications for it. So I I I'll do everything in my limited power to make sure that never happens. But
1: yeah, well, we'll you know you've happens. already you've already you know, you've already set the groundwork, right? You've got continuing mission the blog post, the blog site. And so uh, you know you could you can you, you've got a cadre of people who can create content who can create content for that blog forever. Uh, right. Especially as, uh, as as Star Trek continues to pump out new shows, new uh, series, new novels, new comics, et cetera, et cetera. I am confident there will be a never ending stream of Star Trek stuff to create RPG content for.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. but it's so different when you have a book in your hands. It's officially yeah. published. It just makes yeah. sense. I mean, I played TSR, Marvel TSR easily 25 years past its publication date. Mm-hmm. And I still loved until I wore them out the, the brochures of mm-hmm. the gaming modules. And I, I always hope that if I wear out my core rulebook, which I've already done once, and I'm working on my second <laughs> one now that if I need a new one, I could get one printed off a of printing press. I don't have to go to eBay. That's go. a goal. Well, I'll be triple charged for it. You know, fair so, enough. All right. So we're back to questions and, uh, Keeping the fans satisfied. So, who is our next question from this week, Jim? All
1: right, looks like we've got a question from uh, Wayne. Uh, I'm going to say Twitchell, Twitchell. Uh, Wayne Twitchell asks, "Possible Romulan source book?" Uh, question mark. So, uh, yeah, we've had a, or I have had a, a Romulan source book of some sort on the wish list from day one, pretty much right there next to the Klingon source book, uh, Klingon source book, Romulan source book. Uh, Cardassian Ferengi—you know—go down the list of major, uh, major uh, alien species. Um, there is, like, like, again, it's on my wish list. I would love to do some sort of Romulan product um, of some sort, whether it's a box set or a, or a hardback. Um, I know that Last Unicorn, Last Unicorn Games did a lovely uh, Romulan uh, a box set way of Dara and uh, which I love, I I have it. I have a copy of it on my shelf, in fact, and I I look at it on a regular basis. Um, Whether we're gonna be doing one soon, I can't really speak to. Um, I think part of that is just the nature of the production schedule of the TV shows out there. Um, The Romulans have played a, a role in Picard, season one and season two, to some extent. Mm-hmm. And there's still a lot of uh, lore that is probably to come. I have no idea what season three looks like. Uh, we are not read into the scripts. We don't get advanced notice of this stuff. So I, I, I'm i just as excited as the fans are to find out what the heck's going to happen in season three. I don't know. I have no idea. Is it going to have anything to do with Romulans? Who knows? Um, uh, to date, Lower Decks has avoided Romulans in most of their episodes. So uh, for the most part. All right, yeah. I think no, maybe no. I don't think I I don't remember. No, you know, I was being
0: I was thinking about the lower decks, the lower decks episode of Lower Decks, but those were Vulcans, not Romulans.
1: The Vulcans, yeah, yeah, that's right. right. Um, I know, of course, the uh, the JJ verse um had some Romulan and Riemann stuff in there. Of course, we don't have the license to, to the JJ verse. So that's kind of irrelevant. Uh, but I mean, a piece of this is like I want to do a Romulan supplement of some sort. Uh, it's just figuring out what does that look like and where in the production schedule can we fit it, right? I talked last episode about the production schedule. We're already booked into the next sixteen months. Um, where you know, where do I find room for this sort of a thing and to do it proper justice? Uh, so I'm I'm confident we'll get to a Romulan supplement at some point um i and, think we'll see some romulan, more
0: romulan action also in strange new worlds because remember the last episode of strange new worlds had romulans
1: yeah although it was alternate universe romulans and i don't know that there was anything necessarily new there but i mean maybe there was i'll have to go back and the watch. romulans are so
0: mysterious that's the yeah. problem i mean i mean the thing about the difficulty with writing romulans is they're so secretive as a society mm-hmm. that every, I think writers are afraid to commit to anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Uh, fair. So in summary, then, Wayne, uh, uh, possible, uh, yeah, and Spock Spock told us there are always possibilities. So uh, we'll, we'll, call it, we'll call that one good. Uh, let's see. So uh, DT Sketch Buccino. Uh, it has a series of questions here. I'm going to start with the fourth one first because uh, we just answered it pretty much. His fourth question was, any other featured species books coming out? Romulan core rule book, question mark. Uh, first of all, uh, Romulan core rule book, uh, not a chance. Uh, I don't I don't see us ever doing another species focused core rule book. I think the Klingons were the, were the singular exception. And I've talked about this ad infinitum on other shows um, and other interviews. Uh, The Klingons are probably the single most recognizable species in Star Trek next to humans and Vulcans. Uh, There is, you can go learn to speak Klingon. There's a Klingon Language Institute. There is so much stuff out there, Klingon, that it made total sense to do a Klingon core rulebook. Not to mention the fact that we broke the Klingon core rulebook curse that has been plaguing both Last Unicorn Games and Decipher. So yay, yes, for finally getting a core rulebook out there. Um, I thought you swore to me that one day you'd
0: get a Paklin core rulebook out there. Well, you know, that was just me (laughs) being facetious. Um, Every sentence is only three words. Like, (laughs) he'd hire the writers and say every sentence has to be no more than three words. Write it, go.
1: Right, right, exactly. Uh, So Romulan core book, uh, not going to happen, but uh, a Romulan supplement of some sort? Sure, I, I I think we could probably probably i mean all things being equal right like who knows what could happen tomorrow with the license uh but uh yeah i think um i
0: do want to uh, say that you could piece together a lot from what's out there i know that picard season two yeah. um p- character pack was the most expansive romulan write-up we had for like mm-hmm. basic character building and then if you piece through you i i have the uh Beta Quadrant source book and a lot of the other books you can piece together a lot of the mythos I think the challenge again as because I Romulans play big in my campaign, I have a Romulan captain. Um, I have to construct the mythos and I have to create what's reality out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of the design of the characters which is super fun actually, because even if something happens, did it really happen? Or was that subterfuge? Did you Mm -hmm. really meet somebody who was a senator? Or was that part of the Romulan subterfuge? Um, So I would say, you know, for you, DK and Wayne, who asked about the Romulan source book, is understand, I think they're purposely designed to be mysterious. And that's what freaks out my players. Mm -hmm. If we gave a book with all the answers, that actually might ruin it. That's my opinion. That's my Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then the first part of the question: uh, Any other featured species books? Um, I think this harkens back to the conversation we were having in the last episode, where the you know production schedules and production realities—we're just in a different world now than than the industry was in like the '80s and the '90s, when you know like West End Games could pump out 40 books for Star Wars, and you know Twilight 2000 could have dozens of, of you know 32 to 64-page supplements, soft cover, black and white. Um, you know, hand-drawn illustrations, that kind of stuff. That's just not where we are <laughs> as an industry, and that's just not what Medithius does. Uh, the, we, we we primarily focus on uh, full-blown hardcover, um, um, uh, full-color um, illustrations. You know, really meaty, meatier books. And um, I, I just don't think the the profit margin on on shorter paperbacks is is there. And I don't know that there's enough of a fan demand. I think if I was going to do, if I had my druthers If I were to do like a species-focused product, like you know a a thing all about Ferengi or a thing all about the Dominion, I would probably make that a PDF release and then see how they do. And like if 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 they sell bonkers, then I would say, you know what, we sold you know X number of uh, these PDFs. We we probably probably make a a print version work. Uh, I would probably go that route. Um, But I think um, that's just an argument for PDFs because PDFs can go to the market so much faster, and they they aren't quite as uh, cost prohibitive to create because we don't have to worry about print or distribution on those you basically just you make make the thing pay the writers and the uh the the layout people and the design staff to put it together and then you're done um so you know to tb tbd on more species uh specific products uh we haven't really done i think really actually the core rule book of the Klingon core was the was the unique species focused book that we've done looking at the shelf here like the the quadrant books we folded in a handful of species, like, you know, three to three to six pages, three to eight pages for them, which I thought was pretty good coverage, um, especially because we're, and this also harkens to that conversation in the last episode, uh, Modiphius, uh, for the Star Trek game line, has been careful not to create too much stuff out of whole cloth that might get contradicted by a future episode or something, right? We We adhere fairly close to canon and a little bit of secondary canon and avoid creating too much stuff because we don't want to go too far afield and have you know players and game masters feel constrained by the stuff we made up because because a lot of folks will say, oh, well, that's what Medifia says. So that's, mm-hmm. that's canon now. And it's like, well, no, it's not really canon. We want you to play with it. We want you to play with it just as much as we did. So, uh, uh, yeah, we'll see how that all shakes out. Michael, any thoughts on that? I'm, I've been rambling a lot here.
0: No, no, that's good. I mean, I, I you know, again... Everyone has their favorite species. I I, I love Ferengis and Cardassians, you know. But again, I enjoy that the fact for RPG is that I can go ahead and create what I want out of them. And maybe maybe a TV show will contradict it at some point. But if you game mastering as long as I have, you're like, oh, oh, well, that's a divergent reality. I'm in the main. I'm in the alpha canon, no matter what anyone says. So so I just I, I just really like game masters. You know, enjoy your game. Do what if you were the writer. Do what you want to do, and if the if the core rulebook is an out there that you want, write it. You can always post it up on continuing missions, and we'll be happy to post it and share your ideas. But uh, yeah. I, yeah, unfortunately, commercialism does dictate what we can do, right? Yep. Yep. Uh,
1: and on that note, uh, his uh, another question is: uh, Any chance we might see something like a Star Trek Adventures bestiary? Um, this is, uh, conceptually, in my head, it's similar to the the question we had last time from uh, uh, from from David about he'd like to see you know David wanted to see a book of equipment and gear and uh, and now DT sketch DT sketch butchino you know, like what you know uh, wants to see a, a Star Trek BC area you know the equivalent of a Star Trek Monster Manual I think um, I I see the argument for such a such a book. Um, but I'm going to give the same answer I gave last time and say, like, I would rather do a, a thematic book that was focused on a specific era of play or a specific region of space or a specific thing, and then fold in creatures and monsters and beasts that were relevant to that and make it all like a thematically narrative package, as opposed to sending, you know, as opposed to providing a monster manual of a whole bunch of creatures just to throw at you that you can throw at your players and and your your player characters. that's just my personal preference um i always wonder i'm wondering when people ask these questions. i
0: gotta ask this like you know if someone asked for a bestiary or someone asked for a crb uh you know for a particular species or gear and equipment it's like in a year would you even be able to get through it all my pace of role playing would take me 30 years to get through a bestiary book Mm -hmm. (laughs) because not every story is going to have a monster right in it so i always wonder about that stuff and there's a lot of things you can find online like a continuing missions Mm -hmm. we have a whole generator for beasts cosmosian beasts uh cosmozoan beasts and Mm -hmm. beasts of the galaxy and stuff like that so um entire book is cool to have but it's Mm -hmm. not i don't know if it would necessarily be something that's super useful every week when you're playing you know
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's the challenge. And uh, like, I know we, we were able to fit in a bunch of new creatures into the Shackleton book. Uh, We we dropped a few into the discovery book that were, you know, thematically oriented toward discovery. You know, we have the Garmagander and the, um, um, I just drew a blank, uh, the, the Tardigrade in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, TBD. Actually, you know, Michael, you raised a great point. I'm I'm hearkening back to my old D and D days, where uh, you know, at one point, I had the Monster Manual. I had the Monster Manual too. I had the Fiend Folio. I had uh, whatever the other monster books were. It's like I had these five or six monster books. Um, it's like other than the like the core fifteen to twenty monsters. I didn't really go into like the, the really more esoteric, interesting creatures. And it's like, okay, I had all these books on my shelf and just mm-hmm. never used them. And I, I think one of the best ideas that D and D had not to get uh, on too much of a tangent was a uh, second edition when they had the, um, the three, you could buy a three ring binder that had a bunch of creatures in it, but it was like a big honking, like three inch ring binder in there. And, and then you could buy supplemental packs that were already hole punched. So like if you wanted to buy the Dark Sun supplement, it was like you know sixty pages, and you just drop that into your into your binder. It had tabs and all that stuff. I thought that was great because it was just it gave you a chance to build up that binder as you went. Um oh, well, I mean, I had the then, Marvel I had the Marvel TSR every character ever yeah. converted, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and I was angry because I wanted to have like you know, you can't pull every villain out against your characters, right. and and the way I write narratively, one villain would be three episodes. Yeah. Of con- and so, and then, and then you're so invested in that person, you're like, well, no, they're going to come back in about two issues. So I can't really start a whole new epic with the new villain. You know, anybody who's been RPG long enough knows that that oh. we can't, there's not enough time to play all the stuff that shows up in these books. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe one day I'll get paid to play RPG full time. But until- <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Well, <laughs> mean oh, yeah, to play, not even to run, but just to play. Boy, to wouldn't play. that be the dream? <laughs> oh, to run! I would run for money. Oh, okay. it, it, yeah. Oh no, no, I would be happy to run two, three games a day, five days a week if it would sustain my income. I would totally have a ball doing that. But that would be awesome.
1: I'd love it. So especially if it was Star Trek, I could, I could run Star Trek all day every day if I was uh, able to uh, off, able to live off of it. That would, that's almost the dream. <laughs> okay <laughs> anyway all right so uh, next uh, next question from uh, dt uh let's see any movement on lower decks or prodigy licensing uh can't really say anything about that i mean uh, we've expressed interest to paramount it's entirely in their wheelhouse they are the license holders so it's uh it's up to them as to whether they uh, it, uh whether they want to give the licenses out or not you know you'll you'll know as soon as I can tell you, like if I if I get word one way or the other, then uh, I'll be I'll be yelling to the to the rooftops. Although even then, that being said, you gotta you gotta time it right. You can't just go out and say, oh yeah, we got the we got the prodigy license because like if you don't have any product to support it, who cares, right? You, you you'll be looking forward to it, but who who knows how long it'll wait? And that was the challenge we had when we got the Discovery and Picard, right? We, we announced Discovery and Picard, but we didn't really have any product for a while. It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, by the way, we got these and you'll see more products, you know, someday. Uh, but uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, nothing nothing else really to add on that. And then a DT, actually, has got two more questions here. Uh, next question. Uh, how about a crew book on IDW's new Star Trek series? Uh, i'd love to do it we had jackson lansing and jody hauser on the show a month or so ago and uh, they actually kind of or uh, jackson kind of previewed the new star trek series for us gave us a little bit of a tease um would love to work with them again and i think it's just a matter of um seeing how it shakes out i think i think jackson said that it's a it's an ongoing series it's not a limited limited series and like literally i mean as of this recording i think only two issues are out right and they're and already so-
0: but i do know they're already starting on their sec- second story arc so okay. so that's happening and then here's a cool anecdote for you so i'm i'm a member of the delta flyers admirals club with um that's garrett long and, and Rob, bobby duncan McNeil yeah. robert duncan McNeil. um if anyone hasn't seen this podcast it's amazing everyone knows i'm a voyager fan and they go through and they review every single episode of voyager and give you all this background it's ultimate geek fest so anyways i'm a member of the admirals club and bobby duncan uh, his robert robert duncan McNeil. did not know that his character tom paris was written in star trek series now he's the helmsman mm. for cisco who's the captain thing and so in a admiral's call every month we get an admiral's call we get on the phone with them and talk to them and stuff like that i actually showed him the comic and he was so thrilled i thought that was a cool anecdote so jackson lansing i told jackson about it and i was like oh by the way uh, mr mcneil is quite impressed at his character's back in there oh <laughs> in nice. star trek star trek even it's been a canon but he was kind of thrilled about that. And, and so what's funny, Garrett right away asked, he's like, well, where's Harry Kim? And so I asked Jackson, I was like, uh, he's asking where his character is. He's like, oh, well, I'm not going to say
1: anything. Probably still an in somewhere. Oh,
0: <laughs> so I know that's cool. I, again, I love how Star Trek Adventures meshes with comics yeah. and meshes with these real actors who are doing yeah, yeah. things. So yeah. I love I love this universe. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so yeah, so uh, I would love to work with IDW again. I think it's just a matter of uh, being patient because we don't know where the series is going yet. It's way too early to to seriously think about a product because, like the, it takes us uh, six months to a year to prepare a product, whether it's a PDF or a book, right? And that's that's a year. I mean, eight to ten issues will be out in that frame, and we'll already like our manuscript will already be months behind by the time it came out. And so uh, I'd, I'd rather wait to get more ahead of that. So you know, TBD. But again, I'd love to work with IDW on more stuff uh, in the future. So we'll see what happens there.
0: Of course, you know, I'm always pushing the limits. so of course, you could ask Jackson for a preview.
1: Yeah, but I mean, even <laughs> six issues is is not enough to put a product together. I and mean, we got lucky with year five because they were already done with the twenty four issue. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean the, the we saw the we saw the last couple of issues in uh, in in manuscript format, right? Um, but, uh, it was done. It was, it was pretty much a full package deal. It wasn't you know early in the, in the, um, series, you know, yeah. uh, so, so we'll see, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I want to do more. So we'll see what happens. Uh, last question, <clears throat> excuse me, last question from DT, uh, additional division sector books, like a mirror mirror expanded book or something on section 31. Uh, yeah, I've, I've talked before that, um, on my lengthy wish list that uh, Michael teases me about sometimes, my lengthy wish list of products that I want to do. One of them is a uh, 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 mirror universe slash time travel slash alternate universes type of book. Uh, Last Unicorn Games and uh, Decipher both did something along those lines uh, that were both really good. I'd love to add that to um, Star Trek Adventures somehow. Uh, Same thing with Session 31. We've we've thrown a uh, an intelligence sort of book on the wish list, like uh, that would involve you know the, the Tau shear the Obsidian Order, Section Thirty One, Starfleet Intelligence, Klingon Intelligence, just like a, like an intelligence source book kind of thing. Uh, again, Last Unicorn Games had the Starfleet Intelligence Source Book that was pretty well received. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out what, where does that fit in the schedule. Is there enough demand for an intelligence type of book? compared to like an error source book or something else. I don't know. That's just, you know, that's where I could of. see
0: that I could see that book too with a bunch of optional rules having yeah. to do with espionage, mm-hmm. covert contacts, booby traps, sabotage. I, I could see all these like random rules for things that mess you up on your mission. That would be kind of dark and fun.
1: Yeah. It would be it would be interesting and different. Mm-hmm. Uh again, just trying to figure out like what's what's the priority over that versus something else. I think if we were in the '90s and I was doing, you know, six to twelve supplements a year in softback, you know, soft softback black and white, that it'd be a no-brainer. I, I totally do it somehow. But because the reality of the current industry is so much different, and I have a limited number of full color hardcovers that I can do every year, I got to be way more selective about the big stuff that I that I push out. So uh, uh, to be determined on, on both of those ideas. But thanks, DT, for the questions. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll move on to uh, charles Ash's question will there ever be a source book that allows for in-depth campaign information for the Picard era or Star trek online um, again these are these are both wish list products I talked about Picard a little bit earlier uh, we still haven't seen season three yet so we don't know how Picard ends um I am and this is something that we we were going to do a Picard source book but once we saw the release schedule we decided to wait because we just didn't know what was going to come out, and the last thing we wanted to do was uh, put a book together that was going to be out of date before it even came out, right? So, um, so we're holding off to see what season three looks like. And um, the the tricky thing about Picard, though, is like each of the two seasons are so different, and and like season two doesn't really carry the narrative forward much beyond twenty four ninety nine, right? Because they go back in time into an alternate universe. And so it's like okay, well, that's got nothing to do with the 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 late twenty four the late twenty fourth century going into the twenty fifth century. Uh, so it's a little tricky to kind of like figure out how that all fits together. And like you know, we're not read into this into the series, so we don't know what the scripts look like for season three. Uh, all I know is anecdotally what we've been hearing about on social media and in the trailers and stuff. And it sounds like they're going to continue the narrative into the early twenty fifth century, which is kind of like what a lot of people want. Like, what happens after the Dominion War? What happens after Voyager comes home? I think we might get some answers to that. But I, I, until we actually see it next year, who knows what that's going to look like. So um, put a put a pin in the Picard book, because who knows what that's going to look like. And the uh, same thing with Star Trek Online. Like, we've got a great relationship with Star Trek Online and uh, Thomas Moroney. Uh, we were able to put a lot of Star Trek Online content into uh, Utopia Planitia, right here, right here. And uh, right There. Uh so we got some of their ships into the book. It just happened to work out that those ships are also canon now, uh, by virtue of Star Trek Online's relationship with Paramount, which is super cool for us and super cool for them. Um, I have we've discussed the possibility of doing some sort of book for Star Trek Online with um Star Trek Online folks. Uh, but there's so many moving parts and there's only so much time in the day to do everything. Like, what does that look like? We don't know. I I I ask whether or not we can
0: convert star trek online fans into star trek adventure fans that's my question because even though online rp online games are okay i the reason i've never been a big video game Player is because I feel like I'm in a box where I'm like actually I would want to go left here I don't want to go through that hole because I want to not I want to avoid the ghouls I want to jump on them I don't (laughs) want to you know I think like video games have always frustrated me even as a kid right like duck hunt even frustrated it's like why am I not bringing a bigger gun like a shotgun why do I have this single shot thing to take a duck out you know I remember being a kid thinking like that so so I'm trying to see if we can get Star Trek online players with the awareness of Utopia Planitia to start coming to play Star Trek Adventures to see what a freeform game it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're seeing any kind of results from Utopia Planitia or Hubbub about that. It's been out for what, two months now, three months?
1: I yeah, think. but you know, honestly, the the print books are just hitting America now. Uh, as, right, of this, right. as of this recording in early December, the books are finally getting out into distribution and the pre-orders are getting out there. So I think um, I think we'll start hearing more conversations about it here in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Whether there's enough crossover between Star Trek Online and Star Trek Adventures, I I just don't know. Uh, I don't know if your hardcore computer gamers that are into Star Trek Online would translate over to a pen and paper tabletop RPG, even if it's virtual tabletop, right? It's such a different experience. I mean, it's all related, but uh, I I don't know what the Venn diagram looks like. And I would yeah. love to find out, but uh, well, my, I don't know I, yet. It's obvious. I, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to
0: risk and say time's not the issue. You know, I know some of these people who play Star Trek Online and they're on there nine hours a day. <laughs> so <laughs> why not just play three hours a weekend of Star Trek Adventures? You know, it's, I, I think it's just maybe uh, not knowing mm-hmm. what it's like. And the younger generation who didn't grow up around tabletop RPG may not know. But to me, it's like, I know Thomas Maroney is a big, he likes Star Trek Adventures. He's played the game. So uh, who's the art director for Star Trek Online. So I'm hoping to see that that we see some sort of uh, co- cross-pollination with those two.
1: Genres. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So thanks, uh, Charles. Appreciate your question. Uh, next question is from uh, Fausto um, Mayandi. Mayandi, I apologize for the pronunciation there. Probably butchered it, but my apologies, Fausto. Uh, his Their question is a source book for Enterprise Era. Uh, I highlighted this in the previous episode with Matt's question about uh, Matt Day's question about enterprise. Um, I, I, I know that enterprise has kind of been the uh, the 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 the, the lag the laggard here in Star Trek Adventures. We just haven't gotten to a lot of robust material for it. Uh, we've done a mission brief pack. We've done a crew pack. We've done a couple of standalone adventures. Um, we've sprinkled in enterprise content into a couple of our different products, uh, including the beta book and the discovery book, and I think a couple of others. Um, would like to do more. I would certainly like to do era source books involving enterprise and discovery and and original series, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just haven't gotten to it, and uh, trying to think of creative ways to to do that. I've got some ideas. Uh, you may see some products next year that might touch on that. But as far as like a full blown. Enterprise book. Uh, I don't I don't know what that looks like. I'm not sure we would actually do series specific books. Um, although, I mean, to a certain extent, you could almost say that the Gamma Quadrant book is DS9 and the Delta Quadrant book is Voyager. But I mean, that's just by of virtue of the series that we're involved. But uh, um, I don't know that we'll do like a original series book or a next gen book or a DS9 book. Um, I think it would be, in my opinion, better to do the era and have all those different things sprinkled in and provide the connective tissue that pulls them all together. Um, but we'll see uh, again, uh, enterprise book, definitely on the wish list, And it's just, you know, matter of, uh, you know, do I have the time and ability to check them off? So we'll see how that goes. Uh, next question is uh, from Pavel Dobrovsky What about Klingons? Do you plan to do new content for them? Well, you know, great thing about the Klingons is we've got this big old honking 400 page core rule book. Mm-hmm. That's all about the Klingons. Uh, and if that's not enough, we uh, we recently brought out the uh, the Discovery season one and two uh, campaign guide, which brought in all the Klingon stuff that we got from Discovery. So between the uh, Klingon Core Rulebook and that Discovery supplement, that's pretty much everything Klingon that we've seen in the in the um, in the franchise. To be honest, except for little bits and pieces like that were in Lower Decks or in a couple of the movies. But I think I think all the especially the movies, right? The the Klingons are in the core book. We got Cruise and uh, some of the main characters from uh, the movies in there uh, all the space frames all that stuff so what you can expect for klingons i think would be more uh standalone adventures maybe some mission brief packs that kind of stuff um i, I mean i want to talk about something this is a little side
0: venture but the discover book as i keep going through the discovery campaign uh, anyone who's been watching this knows discovery was not my favorite show at first mm-hmm. And I actually started liking it more after I got my Star Trek Adventures Discovery book. And I was like, oh, I get it now. But there's something in there regarding Klingons that really fascinates me. And I forget where it was mentioned. I can't believe it was. Now I'm losing track of if I was listening to someone else's podcast or whether we talked about it. I can't remember. But the vessels that, the Kling, that are designed in the discover book, Discovery book for the Klingons are basically old Herc equipment. Mm-hmm. Short of it is the Herc is who the Klingons are defeated in order to start their empire 1500 years ago or 15 in the fifth in our 1500s or something um that there those stories alone about those ships and if klingons could still find some of those ships even in the modern era 24th century same modern era it's a whole story waiting to be written like i'm dying now to play a klingon campaign on those type of ships so so i just want to say that I believe the discovery book is actually the supplement to the Klingon <laughs> core rule. Book. if you really look at all the content that's in there, there's a lot of meat that could be used yeah. as a supplement as new content.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean the, the space frames and the, and the Choha rules and uh, some of the other bits and pieces that we threw awesome. into there as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think, um, yeah. yeah, Klingons I think are in good shape. I think we do have some more supplements. I mean, not supplements, but uh, standalones coming out. And I think uh, I've got a mission brief pack in the works, maybe, maybe one or two. I don't remember. I'll have a look at my schedule. Um, yeah, and then beyond that, like weirdly, um, uh, Discovery, Lower Decks, and Picard have all been pretty quiet on what's going on with the Klingons. <laughs> and, you know, after after Voyager comes back, after the Dominion War, and this just that just seems like a weird. Yes, it seems like a weird choice by the production teams to not really even throw a. Throw like a throw a one-liner, a reference to like what we're, we're the Klingons in the thirty-second century. Right. They
0: didn't even. They weren't know? standing around the table. Like there's Ferengis, there's Cardassians, yeah. there's Bajorans, but there's no Klingons. That was so weird yeah. to me. I don't yeah. know what's going on with
1: that. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I wonder if they're like they got something really cool in the works that they're just going to drop on us and we're all going to be surprised about, or what? But uh, maybe the no, Gorn, anyway, maybe the Gorns ate them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe the Boar got them all. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so uh, thank you for the uh, for the question, Pavel. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, and we are at the uh, last question now. We've finally come to the end of our Q and A. Uh, we got uh, a question from and Bao bow 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 oh, i'm gonna assume it's bow. Bo, Bo. apologies Bo. maybe, maybe bow yeah uh, apologies if we butchered your language your uh, your word your name it certainly was not intentional uh we got uh, could we slash i please get a few mission briefs with the borg in it i'm dying to introduce the borg to my table but not in an apocalyptic <laughs> fashion I want to stop right there for a second. Man. You're talking about the Borg, exactly. Right? How can you how can you not introduce the Borg to your game and not have them be apocalyptic? Like, take a look at the, um, the, I guess he wants the Delta Quadrant book, man. The, the Borg should terrify you. Like, yes. harken back to the, and don't, it's not so much the Borg in the, in the, it's not the soft Borg that we get in Voyager, right? This is the hardcore, we will destroy you Borg, that you see in, in Next Generation, the first episode of Next Generation. Like, these guys are terrifying. This is like body horror at its worst. They are going to assimilate you and turn you into a drone and add stuff to your body and take your personality away. I,
0: I guess he wants that small faction of Borg that absorbed Care Bears, who assimilated Care Bears. They're out there. They're out I don't there. Know. It's it's, yeah. it's way in the corner of the Delta Quadrant. So you could try to go with those, but Borg mm-hmm. are meant to be apocalyptic
1: in fashion. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so even before I get to the rest of your question, like first of all, that, that that's my hard stop right there. Is like the Borg should be apocalyptic, and if you look at the stats that uh, Aaron and the other writers put together in the Delta Quadrant books, the the Borg showing up in your game should terrify your players. They should not be looking to negotiate with the Borg or trying to understand the Borg or trying to, you know, do a first contact negotiation kind of thing with them. They they should be, like, turning tail and getting the heck out of Dodge because you do not want to mess with the Borg. They will will destroy you. They will mess you up.
0: Which proves my point that Captain Catherine Janeway is the best and baddest captain ever. You just proved my point. She's the only one to yeah. negotiate with the Borg. There you go.
1: Come on. There you go. So, um, so yeah, but, before, again, before I go on to the... Done,
0: just, so you know, just so you know, I know I've been vacillating for a couple of weeks on whether I like Pike or Janeway. You just convinced me why I like Janeway more than Pike. Yeah. I, it's going to take a little bit more for me to become a complete Pike fanatic.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, to Pike's defense, though, he's only got like 16 episodes, right? compared to the 179 that Janeway has. So we need to give Pike a little bit of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, but for
0: right now, if I tonight, after we're done, I, in honor of Janeway, I'm going to go back and watch another Voyager episode. There you
1: go, there you go. Okay. Um, uh, I have had some pitches come across my desk for for Borg mission brief packs. And, and uh, none of them have really given me that feeling of, yes, this is something unique and different to do with the Borg that we haven't seen before. I think the Borg are a challenge because like, they've had some really good Borg shows, uh, especially on, on Voyager and Next Gen uh, specifically. And it's just like, what else do you do with them, right? Because they are meant to be an apocalyptic threat. And and, and it's hard to... Yeah, I, think you,
0: I think you have a better bet if people are submitting stories to submit stories about XBs. Yeah. I think XB stories are way more provocative. In fact, we did a riff challenge with Al Spader, me and Jim and Al Spader, and we came up with a pretty good XB story that was pretty mm-hmm. heart-wrenching, if you remember, involving the Sicarians. So so I, I agree, the Borg, no one wants to have a bunch of mission packs about hurricanes, you know, 12, 10, issues of, 10 stories about hurricanes destroying stuff, and that's what the Borg are. But 10 stories about XBs might be actually interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then he goes on this or Patton goes on to say, uh, maybe a horror-themed mission brief pack. Now, a horror-themed mission brief pack—that's a good one. That's a good idea. In fact, I think I've got a couple pitches on my desk that I just have not had time to read yet. That are that are a horror horror bent. I think. Um, in fact, I got, I got a couple standalones I got to read too. Uh, uh, pitches that I got to read, but I think uh, because Star Trek is Star Trek, and I think any genre of fiction would work in star trek in some format i think horror is one of those um fiction uh, uh genres that star trek can do well hasn't always done well but like there's some great next gen and ds9 and voyager story and even even uh, original series there are some great star trek stories that are horror like adjacent or or outright horror uh in fact uh, i think um allison uh, uh uh cb or cybe i don't Saib. Know. Saib? is it <laughs> Alison uh, wrote a horror um um module for the discovery uh, campaign guide. Uh, one of those is pretty pretty scary with the um the ba'ul uh, mm-hmm. in there. And I, so I think I think horror can be done well. Um, so I think I think uh, I I would love to do something horror ish. And I think I've got a couple potentials. Uh, so stay tuned for those. Yeah, if you uh,
0: look at continuing conversations, a couple episodes back, too, we did a collaboration with really dicey, and we talked about not only we we one talked about episodes of star trek that introduce horror themes thematic themes because again it's not gory the only body horror you get really is is with the borg um but we actually talked about highlighted episodes that are horror episodes but then we also give some tips on how to construct that into your games too so um but I would love to see actually a horror theme mission brief pack because I think space is very scary. And I don't, I honestly think that many players aren't scared enough (laughs) when (laughs) when they're traveling through space. They're like, Oh, every, I I said about, we're on the cruise ship. We're, you know, the enterprise galaxy
1: class. It's like,
0: space ain't that nice. You need to have a little respect. So I would love to see that mission brief pack.
1: Definitely. Uh, and, they, and then and then Patton wraps it up by saying uh, lots of super baddies up to no good uh, species eight four seven twos and Kathy Breen augments the Borg et cetera et cetera. Well, you know I, I, this this talk is back to a conversation we had last week where we were saying somebody somebody had a question about uh, you know or uh, um, you know what are the what are the supervisors up to? How would you run the supervisors in the modern era? And the the, you know, the, the challenge back was like, well, how would you? You know, tell me, you're the game master. How would you do it? And so for this one, like Super Batty is up to no good. Species 8472, Zenkethi Brain Augments in the board. You've got stats for all of them. Do something with them, right? Like put them in your game. Tell me, tell me how your player characters react to them. Uh, the, the Zenkethi and the, uh, the Zenkethi get wind of the augmentation virus, and they use it for their own purposes, and now you've got super-powered Zenkethi. What happens? It
0: starts simple like this. One of your players or two of your players gets stuck on a cave in a planet. In the cave, there's a force field. On the other side of the force field is any one of those characters, <laughs> and and it's all about is that force field going to go down? And if it does, can you negotiate your way out of this situation? That's the most simply horrific idea I can think. If you have trouble coming up with horror games, right?
1: <laughs> Spe- species A four seven two. Uh, uh, the they steal a time crystal from the Klingons. On uh, on Borath, they go back in time to the original series. Your Constitution-class ship is suddenly infested by cc 8472. What do you do? Yeah. Okay, players have fun. Okay, now what? I mean, there's. I think you've got all the tools here, Patton, for, for all these uh, super-powered um, creatures to torment your player characters and your players with. So, uh, I mean, I, I, we can certainly do standalone adventures, and we can certainly do uh, more supplemental material that could add even more baddies. But I think just in, in this little section of your question here, I think all the tools are out there in the game uh, available right now. It just be your uh, your malicious intent to terrorize and torment your players <laughs> by dropping these into your game in new and creative ways. And this harkens back to a conversation that Michael and I have had plenty of times. Is uh, is and this is getting into the riffs, right? Where you take take one product and another product and and blend the cool bits together. And see what you come up with, right? Like, uh you know, what happens if the Breen? Um... What happened if the Borg assimilated the Tribbles? <laughs> <laughs> we've done that one. Come on, that was. We've already done that. I still <laughs> it's, it's still terrifying. It's the most terrifying. <laughs> it's the most terrifying
0: idea to me in the universe. Yeah, so I just keep uh, going that way
1: You know, if, if we ever get the, if we ever get the Prodigy license, uh, Murph's species gets assimilated. So now you've got a. A shape-changing, morphing Borg thing that that coos, right? <laughs> could Borg ever assimilate founders? I don't know. Throw it in a game. Let's we'll see what happens.
0: That's scary. Imagine if the entire—imagine well, if one of those big orbs, the big Borg sphere, crashed into the founder planet. Oh man. Okay. okay. All right.
1: Yeah. What <laughs> could the could the Borg assimilate a Medusin? right mm. like i've been watching a lot of prodigy recently so i'm thinking about mm-hmm. zero like what, what if is zero actually they had a borg episode <laughs> so what if what if what if zero actually got assimilated by the borg what what did the borg do with this medusan who can not only be a medusan and and like uh you know terrorize people when they look at it look, but, look at it but, but they fail they failed. i mean, sorry for the spoiler yeah. but they failed yeah, yeah. to assimilate so right. that's interesting because they
0: were it's hive mind versus hive mind yeah that's an interesting module. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is why we're called Catigue Conversations, because yeah. as you can see, myself and Jim can take one thing and one question <laughs> and go forever. All right, those are some really good questions from great questions. Thank you, everybody, for sending those in. Okay, so we're back to our shout outs and gratitude moments. Jim, this has been an amazing episode again. um, I'm going to go ahead and go back to the brick and mortars. We love them because they stock this beautiful product products like Jim is rubbing in my face behind him, (laughs) which I haven't got yet. He keeps doing it. Um, So Joe Van Ginkle actually shouted out three different California brick and mortars, Dice House Games in Fullerton, Brookhouse Hobbies in Garden Grove and the Realm Games and Comics in Bray, California. I'm, I'm going to be driving through there in February. I'm going to try to hit a couple of those at least and just say, like, I shouted you out, even though you don't know who I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but if they have one of your products in the store, you can say, but now you know who I am. Can I sign the book for you? Yeah, I, I'm actually planning to travel with the products because I want people
0: to sign them like you, Jim. I want people uh, who have the book. To, I want fans to sign my book. That's That would make me cry. So I'm going to start carrying books.
1: It it is. That is probably the one thing I miss the most about not going to conventions anymore is not getting to have fans sign my book. That that is my like if I have like one prized possession that's related to Star Trek, it's probably my Star Trek Adventures core rule book that I've been able to get people to sign for the first three years. I was doing conventions right before COVID hit. Um, I got so many signatures in there. I'm so I'm so proud of it. And I'm so gratified to the fans that that are always surprised when i say would you sign my book and they're like what why would why did I, why would i sign your book it's like because you i'm doing this for you and yeah. you are the fans and that's that's why i'm here so yeah
0: <laughs> you were the first per, you were the first writer i've ever heard say that and then i yeah. was like that's i'm doing that from now on so i've decided it's going to be the player's guide and the game master's guide that I take Thanks. with me in the tricorder set because it fits oh, yeah. in there. And so when I go to conventions, I'm going to ask people to sign those. So we'll yeah, see how that works
1: nice. there. I love it. You, you're going to be at the convention, you're going to, you're going to open up that tricorder, you're going to whip those books out. You, you probably yeah. got enough room to put a Sharpie in there too, right? Totally. like a like a silver Sharpie or a gold Sharpie or something. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, because the interior of the cover, I think it'll the interior cover of black Sharpie is going to look
1: better. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Because it's yellow or um or burgundy. Yep, yep, yep. Makes sense yeah, so I'm going to cool. go with that, and they could write on I don't care what
0: because they could write on the interior pages if I read out of room. i just I just for me, this has been my crown achievement. so thank you, Jim. I'll thank you too. This is one of the uh-uh. best writing no <laughs> it is the best writing assignment I've ever had. I will no. admit <laughs> you
1: you got you've got a long, happy future ahead of you, my friend. yeah, I'm sure you'll find more things to work on, okay. all right, who's your gratitude? Enough, enough of that. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, my gratitude, uh, I'm going to echo last week and uh, what you just said. I, I can't thank the fans enough um, for this game, uh, for the support that they give to each other and to new fans and uh, all the great questions that they put in, uh, just the fact that they were passionate enough to ask questions and, and to submit them for us to, to spend an hour here talking about uh, this week and last week, you know, so we, we've put a couple hours into this now. Uh, it's all about the fans. So thank you for all your support uh, in the past and hopefully in the future. Uh, hopefully we will keep you happy happily fed with more stuff to come uh so thank you thank you thank you to all the fans as always and ever um so that is uh, that is it for me
0: all right well we'll all continue the conversation next week see you again 2023 promises to be an amazing year for star trek
1: adventures so we'll see you I D I C. uh live long and prosper be safe be well we'll see you next time